Hello and welcome to Duelist Unity Community Topics, Episode Twenty. I am not concerned about what I say or so much of what I do and how it's going to be perceived by anyone else. And I think in that mentality of that lack of concern, I'm able to express things more clearly and freely than I ever possibly could when I when I was so concerned with how it would be perceived. And so it's reinforcing to myself that really only ever comes down to that mentality and that recognition that you're never doing anything wrong, despite what you may think. And it's really important to remember when you are doubting yourself and looking towards somebody that you assume doesn't doubt themselves, that that's not a light switch. It's not a transition that happens with one decision in your life. It's something that happens as you go step by step through your life, as you go step by step and learn from what you're doing. So the destination that you have in mind isn't actually the destination that eventually you'll reach. It will be totally different because it will be you. It's really important to remember that, that although it may look like Andrew and I are doing something here on the podcast, that's probably not what we're doing. What we're doing is something else entirely that you're perceiving in a certain way, according to how you perceive your own path. So keep that in mind. You know, things are never what they appear to be. Also remember that by virtue of you being everything, there isn't a single thing that somebody else can accomplish that you can't accomplish through enough time and attention and the opportunity to do so. It's just about allowing yourself to be what you are until you can recognize how much that is. Then it's a totally different conversation. All that said, community topics number 20. It's crazy how fast these have accumulated over time. They're really a lot of fun. I really look forward to these episodes each and every week. And I just wanted to say very quickly, thank you again for the suggestions for this week's topics. Uh, the winning topic this week was instinct and intuition. Now I haven't decided if that's instinct and intuition or instinct versus intuition, because we'll explore that a little bit further as we go. There was also a tie for second place in the vote. The first was conflict in relationships, and the second was ADHD. Now, we have a workshop coming up this weekend on authentic coaching and relationship building. We have a follow-up workshop happening in early February on relationships and dating, and that's going to very much cover conflict and how to see that conflict, avoid that conflict, work with that conflict, and much, much more. And so we're not going to discuss conflict in relationships today. We are instead going to stick with instinct, intuition, and ADHD. All right. So with all that said, let's get into it. So instinct, intuition. Um, I feel like there's a lot of overlap and I've been trying to think about what the, what the differences are. I feel like instinct leans action-based and intuition leans thought-based, but without, without the overlaid idea of the right way to do things is just kind of something that naturally arises when you aren't so concerned with doing the right thing. But I think both are rooted in a certain faith in yourself. And when you have a certain degree of faith in yourself, those instinct, intuition are allowed to arise, or it could be even that they're always arising. And the degree to which we have faith in ourselves dictates how well we can listen to it or how well we hear it. 
because I think a lot of us have those sort of gut reactions, gut feelings, but because we lack that faith in ourselves, we don't listen to it. And then we hyperanalyze, overanalyze things for a very long time until we typically end up just doing the thing that we would have done initially if we had just listened to that natural gut instinct. And so I think the process of listening to it, of making decisions, of moving forward, despite the egotistical concerns we may have about those natural sort of responses to certain situations or decisions allows us to build that faith in ourselves, And then it gets a lot easier over time to listen to those two things. But yeah, those are some initial thoughts. It's such an interesting conversation to have because they sound so similar. But over time, I've started to look at it as being almost like two operating systems that are working entirely differently. So what I mean is that instinct to me is typically biological. It's what keeps you alive in the moment. This is what's happening in your instincts. Like, this is what I need to do to maintain this organism. Whereas your intuition is something else. As you were saying, your intuition is more based in your awareness. Your intuition is more based on the subjective side rather than purely the instinct to protect your biology or to sustain your biology or to perpetuate your biology, right? And so a good example, I was walking down the street with somebody and as we were walking down the street, the traffic was really close and we were aware of the traffic, or at least I was aware of the traffic and how close we were to the bush on the other side of the sidewalk and a snake came out onto the sidewalk. And I felt my instinct, which was to move out of the way. On the other hand, I also had a certain degree of awareness of my surroundings and my intuition was that there was likely a car behind me if I moved out of the way. And so I didn't, I just stopped and allowed the snake to do its thing and, and leave. But my friend jumped into the road and almost got hit by a car. And it's because she was acting on instinct without any degree of awareness, without any intuition. And so it really made me think, well, now that's interesting, right? Because the biology is almost hardwired to keep you alive. I think that's what we mean by instinct. Like it's our instinct to procreate, right? It's our instinct to protect ourselves. It's our instinct to find shelter and, and find comfort, or at least to, to build a family to some degree. And that's largely because of the path our biology as humans has taken for so long. That's all hardwired because it's how our biological strain learned to keep itself going over time. And so I think until we gain a sense of awareness or intuition, it's almost like a really rudimentary way to navigate reality based on the most basic senses, right? The physical senses. I think it really is just the body's way of maintaining itself in reality, but it lacks nuance it lacks awareness it lacks it lacks the ability to look at other people which actually made me think because instinct is almost always immediate the body recognizes that there's a danger now and it does something about it or the body recognizes that there's an opportunity to say procreate and it takes advantage of it all of a sudden all of your hormones kick in and you're like why am i so attracted to this person it's because your body is just like here's an opportunity take advantage of that opportunity and so it's in the moment trying to influence you based on what it perceives to be its dangers and its needs. Always a limited perspective, right? Whereas intuition almost encompasses more in terms of time, 
intuition actually looks backwards and forwards to some degree, not deliberately, but it's aware of more time. And I think that's what changes that black and white light switch mentality that is instinct into the more gray area that is intuition was my initial thoughts. Yes. All right. I've, I've thoughts with this as well. I, I like that, uh, where this is going because initially getting into this i was like dude i haven't really thought about instinct or intuition or any of this shit before and so i was you know as i do watch it some youtube videos just to kind of hear more like i have some initial thoughts so anyway um now even saying all this i see intuition as sort of like the overarching awareness that we are as, as you mentioned and then instinct is that kind of condensed into ourself like our instinct is a protective device for ourself without regards for our environment or for environment being you know surroundings as well as the time aspect so we're able to utilize our intuition in order to inform that immediate instinct but the instinct initially is kind of blind to everything around us. So if intuition is this sort of larger circle, be it awareness, that's just how I'm thinking about it, then our instinct is within that intuition based on ourself, our limited capacity for ourself. And then our environment is also kind of included within that intuition. Intuition is able to factor in all facets of everything happening, whereas instinct is very, very much specific to here and now keep myself safe or here and now procreate or here and now do this. I want to do this. This is what my body is responding to. And without the combination of the awareness of even recognizing that instincts are just instincts and they're not something that are always telling us exactly what we should do, kind of keeping that idea of that sensitivity and, and the recognition of nuance and those gray areas that nothing is ever black and white allows us to kind of move with our instincts, not, not necessarily completely fight them or discount the reality of them, but also not be so taken away by them that we don't even know that we just kind of like follow them willy nilly. And all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're following our biological sexual instincts without any sense of intuition and all of a sudden we have 25 kids with you know 20 different women because that's kind of the raw reality of a biological instinct without any intuition is at least that but with intuition we can recognize okay if i have 25 kids with 20 different women probably gonna be a it's not to say anything's right or wrong but it's gonna make my life a lot more difficult if I'm existing in that way. So although our instincts are always telling us to do something, that intuition helps to inform that and allow us to understand the potential implications, but also without getting so caught up in that hyper-analysis of thinking that we always know what the right thing to do. So there's always a sensitivity with both ends of it. Absolutely. Because as always, it's both and neither, right? Like there is no mind body split the mind and the body are connected which is why the mind affects the body and the body affects the mind but like everything it's a spectrum 
both poles affect one another. And if you're not aware of both poles having their own influence, their own pull, then you're just in the middle struggling to maintain any degree of awareness whatsoever. Right. So I find that to be really interesting. Another thing I find to be interesting is that we can, through practice, reduce our instinctual reactions to the physical environment. And we can do so by gaining awareness and calming down. And so what I mean is that in the example I gave about the snake that came on to the sidewalk, I didn't react. And I didn't react because of how many other times I've went through something where my instinct went, <gasps> and I worked on calming myself down or, or I didn't. And I hit the consequence at the end of that reaction and went, oh, and I you know, took that in after the fact. But the point is, is that through that, I got to a point where I didn't react according to my instinct. There was a moment where it's like, what do I want to do with this? And I had a chance to exercise awareness. There are monks who practice this very thing so much that, you know, when you're not paying attention to something or, or you're not paying attention in general, and all of a sudden there's a loud noise, like somebody drops something really loud or somebody comes up behind you and goes, Boo! right? And quite beyond your control, your heart skips a beat. Like you actually have that, that moment. Well, there are monks who have trained themselves so much over time that they don't have that reaction. Physiologically, they've actually been tested and there is no response to that external stimulus. They're calm through it all. They can still act accordingly, but the reaction to their instinct has been looked at for long enough that it no longer has the same sway over their awareness and their intuition. But that's a spectrum. Right? Like if you look at children, they're largely instinctual. You look at teenagers, they're largely instinctual. And it's something that we have to grow through to gain more awareness. Right? And the same is true in terms of practice. It's by, you are not going to gain more awareness by virtue of you simply getting older. There's practice to it. There's the willingness to grow. There's the willingness to question and all of that. And so as you continue down that path, you start to look at your instinct a little bit differently. But on that topic, See, I find instinct to be really interesting because when we're talking about instinct, I immediately look back to before the last 10,000 years. Because in the last 10,000 years, we've been building empires. We have left the natural world. We have left the way that humans used to exist. And we've superimposed this mentality of control, this mentality of empires, this mentality of insurance and safety. And so our instincts are in an environment that they don't understand. Right? Like the instinct to procreate, for example, makes a lot more sense when you are part of the natural world wherein the human species is regularly being diminished by a lack of food or other predators. It makes sense where you would want to continue to procreate simply to outpace the number of people who are dying. But in an environment where that's not happening, instinct doesn't understand, I don't need to procreate as much. It's not taking in the environment. And so we still have the urge. And now we're in a controlled environment where nobody dies. And we're wondering why the population continues to expand. Even with the birth rate declining, because this is a, a point that some people have made recently. Well, the birth rate's declining. Right. That's not the same as population decline. It would be if the death rate was also normal. But we keep putting death off as often as we can. So while there are less people being born, there are less people dying. And so the room is packing up 
it's filling up, right? And it's because our instinct doesn't understand that we've changed the environment, right? So with that in mind, how else has our environment messed with our instinct? And that's where I want to start getting into ADHD, unless you have any other thoughts on instinct and intuition. Uh, yeah, just one other thing with the with the monk situation you were talking about it. I see that as almost like evolution at play, like in the immediate. We see evolution as like, oh, it's this very long-term process. But that right there, that intention based on a priority that they have to kind of reduce that reaction is something they're able to change. And they're actually able to change their physiological instincts, which is fucking fascinating that we're based on our priority, the amount of practice that we have, we're actually able to shift the physiology. And so going into the nature and nurture type thing real quick, people get caught up in like, oh, is it more nature? Is it more, more nurture? But when you see something like that, it's like nature and the nurture, they don't have so much disconnect. They're one in the same because then the nature of the priorities that they have, the impacts that they want to have on themselves are actually impacting the physiological responses, the instincts that we always deem to be strictly nature and not being able to have so much of an impact. But when you see that there isn't so much division, there's no disconnect between the mind and the body. They're one and the same. There is no division. See that they can begin to impact each other within very short periods of time, as in you know someone's lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. So looking at instinct, and again, relating instinct to the natural world, the environment that created our biological instinct, and then removing that, that biological form and putting it into an entirely different environment that doesn't operate under the same conditions. You can start to see where a lot of our unhappiness and a lot of our strife and a lot of our conflict is coming from. And so what I mean specifically is, so let's just take a moment, Andrew, and we're going to travel back in time to say 50,000 years ago, where you and I are living in a tribe with, say, 100 other people, and we live off the land, we don't have control, we don't have electricity, we don't have insurance, there's no police officers, there's no fire department, there's no hospitals, there's none of that. We live off the land, there are things that hunt us in the night, this is our life. And we do everything we can every day to, to take advantage of our reality as it gives us opportunities to do so. Like, oh, the berries are blooming right now. I better put down this other project I have in mind in order to take advantage of the berries blooming right now because that's more important. Do you see how our mentality changed? The, the mentality of, no, I gotta be disciplined and get this boat built, regardless of the berries, would not have worked in that environment. Linear thinking as a whole would not have worked in that environment because you always had to be fluid according to the needs and the opportunities allotted to you by your environment, right? So we were non-linear beings. We didn't have this mentality of like, oh, big project, got to focus on that and exclude everything else. That wasn't an option for us because survival influenced everything that we did. And so this idea of focusing for a sustained amount of time on one thing wasn't necessarily an option. And so you can see how in that state, you would actually have to embody uncertainty. You would actually have to embody faith in yourself. You'd be moving from moment to moment to moment 
from this to that, this to that, with almost no control or plan, just some vague idea of what you're doing as it's necessary. And that would be a normal way for you to live. That would be a normal way for everybody to live. It would be completely fluid, very uncertain, but it would be based in reality here and now. Now you take that mentality and you put it in the system as it is today. And you tell it, no, 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 you can't just go from one thing to the other as it's necessary and makes sense to you for you to learn what to do next. No, 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 you can't, you can't just scurry off to the next project because it makes sense to you. You have to sit here in this class until the end of the day. You have to learn this. You have to think this way. You have to focus like this. You have to act different to what your biology is telling you. And then when they can't, we say they have ADHD. Oh, shit. I just want to sit in that. Uh, that was, I think, one of our better transitions that we've had on a community topic. So I, uh, I appreciate that. And that makes a lot of sense. Like, that was something that came up in, you know, looking into ADHD is that there was a point, that exact example, that it made perfect sense. It was actually very beneficial to society to learn non-linearly to live non-linearly because reality is non-linear life is non-linear and yet we've tried to take this like you know you think about learning in different ways and taking in different information as all these different points and we've tried to like take all of those connect all of them and straighten it out into a line like forced it into a line and then we wonder why there's discomfort in that because we've created a system that is linear in a non-linear reality and then wondered why people have issues with that. And it's just that I think some people, I think naturally everyone is non-linear and it's just the degree to which we are dictates how much suffering we experience within that linear reality, that man-made structured, you know, go to school, get a job. Even that sort of life blueprint is very linear. Then we have school is extremely linear, extremely structured. There is no room for variability. There is no room for bouncing around. And then most of our jobs, nine to five jobs are very much linear. And so I've seen that in just our shift in the last month of going from, you know, I worked for four years at nine to five job in digital advertising. And it was very much like I kind of knew I was able to make a do list and was able to do things in a pretty structured way the entire time. And that gives you a sense of comfort when you can settle upon that, if that works for you. And then, so now shifting into this, I've almost experienced some discomfort in the recognition that there is no set structure. You know, there, there's an infinite number of things I can do that all kind of push towards the same goal, but there isn't a right one to choose ever. And I've even experienced that um, day to day. Like I, I think I talked about this on one of the episodes, but I had a morning that I woke up and kind of had a bunch of things I had written down to do. And then you got our uh, episode with Lisa Ann out like super fucking quick. And I was like, hmm, I have all these things I want to do. Or I could start clipping up some stuff from this. And so I just started doing that. And that was just as reasonable as any other decision that I could make. And that is exactly how not exactly, but that is more along the lines of how someone with ADHD thinks. 
you know, they, they bounce around, they see an opportunity to do something and they do that. And everything they're doing is informing everything they're doing all the time. But we have this idea that we should go in this set path. And so then it goes against, as you mentioned, it goes against their natural biology to bounce around, which I think everyone experiences to some degree is our biology is preconditioned to kind of exist like that. It's just how far on that spectrum, what point on that spectrum do you fall? So sometimes people are more easily able to fit into a linear system if they don't necessarily bounce around as much, or they're just able to adapt to it more easily. But then those who aren't, they're then told that there's something wrong with them. And that reinforces sort of lack of faith in themselves. And then we fucking give them drugs too and say, oh, there's something wrong with you. So you need this to, to normalize yourself. And all that does is kind of puts this bouncing around mentality into a linear way of thinking. It suppresses that bouncing around in order to fit into the made up structure that we've created. But yeah, I mean it, and then it goes against all of their, not only their instincts, but their intuition as well. And it's pushing against that, reinforcing a lack of faith and reinforcing this idea that there's something wrong, which there never is. Yeah. Isn't it funny that they'll give us medication to straighten us out in their fictitious linear world? Isn't that interesting where the rest of the time we're fluid and squiggly, right? But I wanted to say actually really quickly that I think everybody starts with ADHD. I think it's our, our normal state. When you look at children, they're not linear beings. They're all over the place. They'll go from playing with one thing to where's my truck? Like, it's just, they're all over the place. We are naturally in that state. I think the only difference is that some of us get pounded over the head more efficiently by the system, by this way of linear thinking. So, I mean, you were expressing that it's almost uncomfortable to let go of the way that you think in terms of linear and, and planning and, and being in control. For somebody with ADHD, it never became comfortable to think like that. It was always uncomfortable. The system did a poor job in getting rid of that instinct by beating it out of them. And so now there's no alternative but to medicate them, right? Because, and this goes back to the word disorder, because you'll notice the big focus there is on order. The big focus there is on order. And so the system wants order. It wants everything to be neatly aligned in a linear track that they can take advantage of. So anything that doesn't fall into that is disorder. That's the problem is that you're not falling into line with what the rest of us are doing. So therefore there's something wrong with you, not the system that has conditioned us to think this way. And you can really see it in terms of how ADHD starts to manifest over time because as a teenager it really does end up being expressed as an attitude that the rest of the people around that person don't appreciate it's unpleasant for them right like you'll actually see in the list of symptoms for teenagers with adhd interrupts a lot moves around a lot fidgety sounds like that's all irritating someone else that's what that sounds like you know on the other hand, there are some consequences to that thinking if it's not nurtured as a way of developing your intelligence, which is the thing, because that way of thinking is actually 
a brilliant way to nurture your intelligence. Just give them more shit to do. Stay out of the way. Let them continue to explore themselves. But because they can't, because they're boxed in and medicated, then they wonder why these kids start taking more risks. They start being more reckless. Because there's no way for them to otherwise be in the present and they're medicated. So now their awareness is actually being diminished and they're still trying to act out their instincts. So it's just that we're not taking advantage of it. And then over time, you continue with that, you continue to force this person to interact with this system where they don't have a choice. Then all of a sudden, all of those things become habitual and they become self-defining. And by the time you're in your forties or your fifties, you just think that's the way you are instead of that's the way that you've been forced to be by a system that refused to fucking move for you. And then that identity is just reinforced. And that idea that there's been something wrong with you is reinforced. I have this and therefore this is wrong with me. And therefore I must act in this way and not do this and not do that, but do this and do that. And, you know, follow these made up rules. Like the whole thing is made up the whole system, the whole idea of normalcy and order and disorder this, and you must do this and follow these rules. It's all made up, all of it, in order to linearize a nonlinear reality. And so the, the victims of that are the ones who aren't able to adapt to the made up way that we've decided this is the right way to live. This is the right way to do things. And why? Because it's more easily controllable, because we're more easily able to dictate things how we want to and it's like whose preference is it it's the ones who fear the uncertainty that is reality so it's it's a overarching theme of you know the reality of uncertainty being the reality of our reality to a system that does everything it can to disempower that reality or somehow shift that reality to be more certain when it can never possibly meet that it can never possibly make an inherently uncertain reality certain and yet we do our best too and the victims of that are the ones who have a tougher time fitting that made-up system and so then they're told that something's wrong with them we actually give them medication to change their natural biology and it makes me so fascinated because all this time, you know, growing up, I thought, oh yeah, that makes sense. They're, you know, different, whatever, medicate them. But like, we don't even wonder if there's something wrong with that. Almost. We don't even wonder if maybe our idea of normal isn't actually normal. Maybe this person who doesn't fit this system doesn't actually have anything wrong with them. Like, how are we not able to see that there is a biological component there. Let's look at that. Why do we think that that's not normal? But I guess we've seen that in so many different ways. You know, we saw it with gay people for so long. People saw that as abnormal because it didn't fit their idea of, you know, the way things should be. And so people for a while thought that was a mental disorder. It's like anything that doesn't fit that narrative, that mold is told that it has a disorder when the reality is that all of these disorders are any of them even disorders or is it just relative to a system that desires order in an inherently 
disordered reality. <laughs> exactly. Well said, right? Because if I benefit from you following a prescribed order and you don't, how can I benefit from you? I just can't. And so that's very much the point. And I think it's really interesting because you were saying like, how do we get to this point? Oddly enough, through our instinct, because if our instinct is biological and simplistic, and like we said earlier, procreate, eat, don't die, accumulate, that kind of thing. These are all instinctual things because they help keep you alive. Well, if you know the majority of the population is driven by those very basic impulses and you offer them a path that promises those end results, such as the system currently has, where you can have fame, you can have your house, you can get a wife, you can own anything you want, right? You see how you can satisfy all of your instinctual needs as long as you follow the promise of the system, the promise of the government, the promise of this collective narrative, right? And that's how we got towed along. Our instincts are just like, what's that? Beautiful women will love me, sweet. And, and you just follow along the money path, which is promising you what your instinct wants or thinks it wants. Right. And so collectively over centuries, we've just followed our most basic instinct and ignored our intuition and our awareness to the point where the majority has created a system that actually violates and completely contradicts those instincts while using them to perpetuate itself. So that overarching instinct has driven the entire society that we exist within and the system that we currently exist within is a embodiment or reflection of that instinct taken so far that anything that doesn't fit that path or that desire to get the ultimate, I don't know, response to those instincts, we say it has a disorder, doesn't fit, it's abnormal, doesn't work. And we just do everything we can to fit it back into that made up thing because we have never had the awareness or the intuition to recognize that maybe our instincts aren't always what's best for us when we're able to take a step back and look around for even a split second. Yeah, because our intuition grows as we are willing to let go of that mentality that drives our instinct, the individual that must be maintained. And we start to gain a sensitivity and that's where our intuition actually starts to change what we do in our life. But up until this point, our intuition has not been the driving force behind our society. And we know that because the majority of the driving force behind our society is our fixation on lack. And that is an instinctual fear. And so we've just been following that for so long that now anything, again, anything that arises that doesn't fit that because we, it's gone unquestioned for so long. It's not a question of whether or not this is wrong. It's a question of whether someone who doesn't fit into this is wrong. And that's where all of the, you know, quote unquote disorders arise because they almost by design, by the reality of them existing, question the overarching narrative, the overarching system that's been created based off of this drive to just follow that unquestioned instinct for thousands and thousands of years. And so it really does make me wonder if all of the disorders, quote unquote disorders that we have these days are disordered at all, 
or if they just don't fit the made up system that we've created. I'd say that's a topic for another community topics episode for sure, because ADHD is its own huge topic. And I think we've done an excellent job in dipping our toe into that conversation. Sure, we may have made a few people upset in some of the things that we've said, but I hope that the overarching message here, if you do suffer from quote unquote ADHD, is that you're actually almost better off than the people who don't. And it's because you weren't so efficiently conditioned to stop listening to your instincts. That doesn't mean that there isn't a lesson for you to learn in terms of raising your awareness of those instincts or raising your awareness of the fact that those instincts are still influencing you. But at least you haven't been conditioned to the point of thinking that those instincts aren't there, right? That it's all linear, habitual, conceptual discipline. At least that still feels odd to you. That's a good thing is what we're saying. Yeah. And again, just to reiterate, there's never been anything wrong with you, despite what the system may tell you that you have this disorder or that disorder really is comes down to the recognition that you've never done anything wrong. Everything you feel right now, nothing wrong with any of that. And there is a lesson to be learned in that. And also just a recognition that there is so much potential in whatever you're experiencing, whatever the system tells you is a disorder. There's a lot of actually incredible things because of that thing that you're told is a disorder. So relaxing into that recognition that despite whatever the system tells you is wrong with you, there's never ever been anything wrong with you. And through that more relaxed state and allowance of the reality of you to just be expressed in whatever that instinct and intuition on top of that has been telling you the whole time, there's a lot to learn and a lot to, uh, again, a lot to express from that recognition that despite what you may think, despite what you may be told, there's absolutely nothing wrong with anything about you. But do keep in mind that people will tell you there's something wrong with you if you're invalidating what benefits them. Always important to remember, these aren't a group of peers that you respect. These are a group of peers you've been told to respect and listen to. It's a very different argument. And on that note, we are going to end our 20th episode of Community Topics. This has been a blast. I am really enjoying this series. Thank you, dear listener, for joining us. As always, do keep in mind the April retreat is coming up April 1st. Tickets are still available. There's three more. The Netherlands retreat will be available to our tier three Patreon supporters very shortly. Uh, next week on Tuesday during Dualistic Unity Raw, tier two supporters and above can actually join us for the recording of an episode. And it will be made available on the podcast and on YouTube after the fact. So we're very excited about that. If you'd like to join us, Join us on Patreon. The sign-up form is there for Tier 2 or Tier 3 supporters. It's going to be so much fun. I'm really looking forward to showing everyone the magic of these groups. Absolutely. Excited for that. So appreciate everyone joining, listening. Hope you enjoyed and talk to you next week. Bye, everyone.